Wrong sound effect. And welcome in to the Empire Dynasty League podcast, brought to you by Ben Keeney and Hod here on Wednesday, the 24th of August. How are we tonight, boys? Uh, going well, thanks, Ben. We are nearing an NFL start, which is very exciting. Hod, how are you going? Pretty good, fellas. Uh, we, have we got a guest tonight, or are we running this just the, the old-fashioned threesome? Well... As it stands, an old-fashioned threesome is going all right, and it's quite reliable because uh, we've only been saying for the last however many fucking weeks that we had this bloke coming on as our last guest, and and even that snuck up on him, apparently. So here we are, currently an hour into our WebEx chat, still waiting for our guest to rock up, and he's uh, conveniently only just seen the messages now, Keeney. It's uh, it snuck on it snuck up on him, even though he changed the date of the uh, recording, which is interesting. That's right. We do we do come at you on the reliable Tuesday nights these days, and we've been pretty good on it. And we were ready to go last night, and uh, just got pushed back because of work commitments. So we were told. So we uh, said, "Yeah, fair enough. We'll make ourselves available." One hour, boys. We've been sitting here waiting for the man. Messaged him over an hour ago, or almost an hour ago, with a link to this chat. Hasn't looked at it yet. Are you still? I'm looking right here. I haven't even got the blue dot that he's uh, that he's actually seen it. Um, well, but- there was no work commitments tonight, mate, because I heard that him and the lovely were putting on a movie, a bit of Casablanca. Well, Hod, let me throw to you here. I'll just run you through a hypothetical, and this could be a game that the listeners at home could be playing alongside with us. I'm going to throw you a scenario, if you will. Tell me which option you would take if you had been asked to go on a podcast and if you had rescheduled it to the following day when we had mentioned 8.30 as a time, just what would you do if it got to 8pm and you hadn't heard anything? Would you, A, maybe message the people involved saying, hey, what's the go? Or would you, B, at 8.30, put on a movie and put your phone down and then fucking just do an absolute ghosting? Which one would be the logical choice for you? I'd probably go with C. What <laughs> What do you mean, yeah. what ebbs? <laughs> no, nah, I probably, you know, would have had the uh, initiative to sort of approach the hosts and see what's going on because I, in his position, as the reigning champ, would want to be on here at all costs. Well, I'm glad you brought up that he's the reigning champ because how the fuck, if this guy can't organise making himself available for a thing that he rescheduled. How the hell did he manage to organise a winning list? And you might say it's sour grapes from me because I lost to him. And yeah, it is. But fuck him. The bloke <laughs> has enraged me tonight because it's now 9.30 and we're only it's, fucking it's, three minutes uh, in. Boys, it's like we're getting, it's like we're live streaming to a few league members because I've had some feedback instantly on the uh on the text message machine, one of them's from an anonymous league member saying, "Ask Thais when he's going to pull the dildo out of his his vagina and start playing fantasy football." <laughs> it's just live on the pod. It just the timing couldn't be better. Oh, and the fact that he won't hear these roasts until he listens back to this episode because he hasn't rocked up yet, ladies and gentlemen. We're still fucking awaiting. I haven't even got a so and so is waiting for you in the lobby or anything like that. 
Still, oh no, hey, I'll tell you what, he's looked at the link, so everyone, well, get ready while, in anticipation. While he's looking at links and linking at looks, let's uh, <laughs> get to the news, shall we? Oh, fuck, I didn't have the drop ready. Every <laughs> newsman in this city's laughing at us, and I don't like it. Boys, I'm rattled tonight. I, if you're here at the top of the show, I hit the wrong sound effect before the song. Didn't have the news drop ready. Holy shit. Deus, he's got in my head again for a uh, another time. Already, the season hasn't begun and he's already in my head. All right, Deshaun News, Hod, go. Talk us through uh, the old Let's masseuse. I was just going to say it wouldn't be foreign for this show to have technical difficulties two weeks in a row, so... We will jump on to Deshaun. Uh, We've got 11 weeks, boys. It has been decided. It is not 12, not 10, but 11. Do either of you have any idea why they've landed on 11? What's happening happening in 11 weeks? Is is our uh, guest going to join us? Of course we know why it's 11 weeks, Hod. Why is it? Because they play the Texans in 11 weeks, mate. It's all the money-making machine at the NFL, mate. It's uh, it's not that they play them in eleven weeks. It's that there's a buy mixed in there. So, in week thirteen they play them, which happens to be eleven games in between. It's very fucking coincidental, isn't it? It is the most lucrative soap opera in the world. The NFL. It's a brilliant Honest, show. Honestly, have you ever in your life heard of someone getting suspended for eleven weeks? It is not a normal number to suspend someone for, particularly when it's like a made-up number, when you can choose the range of outcomes and you just stumbled on 11. The only only other odd number that I can think of, Hod, is the high school that we went to that used to finish at 3.04 p.m. (laughs) 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 One of the greatest times going around on 48-minute blocks. Fucking, they they kick goals at that school. Jeez, you bloody... (laughs) Maths would have been good by the end of it. I didn't learn the bell times until year 12. That's how well I went. As the school captain, too. <laughs> no, nah, I, I was too much of a rebel to be a school captain there. Oh. Well, well, we'll keep the theme of the dingers because uh, some quarterback news in Carolina. Uh, we'll start with Matt Corral. Um, did his Liz Frank on the weekend. Probably, <clears throat> probably not a big result for the year. He would have been on the pine learning from... The maestro, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield, the starting QB. Um, what, what are your thoughts, boys? There's, there's not real too many surprises here, is there? Oh, not not really, yeah, unless your name's the DFF. Because he, and maybe it's a bit of a curse of the pot again, because he did come on a few weeks ago and said, and he did say that he had uh, five starting quarterbacks in his lineup, and I count about one at the moment. So <laughs> I don't know what's happened in the last three weeks, but it hasn't well, been great for him. That's actually a good uh, point you bring up because Brett Favre uh, had some strong comments today about the um, starting the quarterback yeah, in San Fran for the DFF saying that they should be sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo as a proven winner. Uh, I'm not sure the DFF would like to hear that. Could, uh, you, his- could you imagine the DFF, if that in fact happened, if all this off-season the talk had been around, Darnold's getting shipped off, it's Trey, La- Trey Lance, Trey Young, Lance. Trey Lance, I fucking get my sports mixed up, Trey Lance time and uh, and then just at the 11th hour they start Jimmy G for the season. 
That would be it'd be a very DFF kind of storyline, I reckon. Oh, he'd spin it into some positive, don't worry. Do you reckon the only news out of this Matt Carell business is that was there any danger they were gonna cut uh Darnold? Or was it too much cap space? Yeah, I don't I don't know if they're ever gonna cut him. Um but it certainly does mean that the DFF owes Scoot a nice bottle of Henschke, surely. Surely that comes out this Saturday with our redraft league. Surely. DFF, if you're listening, bring it on down. Would be nice because I know that old Scooter is a uh, – he loves to share the bottles that he gets off the DFF, so I wouldn't be man. complaining. He's mm. a generous man, the Scooter. And, and uh, who, is, who is back? Who's back? The one, the only. We're speaking of old men after throwing talking about Scooter. Tom Brady, he's back and uh, – Better than ever. He's he's looking like a rejuvenated thirty six year old man. Apparently, he's he's that up and about. Does anyone have any uh, crystal balls on the whereabouts or the why behind this? It was there was some conspiracy theories coming out about a possible retirement again. Uh, but have you boys heard anything? No, I haven't heard anything. No, all I heard was the possibility that he was on the Masked Singer. That seems to be doing the rounds. <laughs> <laughs> but that's about it. He's I just have trying heard... to take a leaf out of Aaron Rodgers' book and uh, broaden his horizons, is he? But I, t- I have heard a couple of circling rumours, and maybe it's not got nothing to do with what happened over the last couple of weeks, but there's, there's a few little birds chirping about Tom Brady eventually getting back to San Francisco, maybe next year. So watch this space, Crystal Balls. Oh boy. He wants to play for San Fran at some point. Will it affect them with Trey Lance, with Jimmy G? Who knows? Oh. But uh, there you go. Heard it here first on the pod. That would be amazing. And uh, yeah, as far as unfinished business goes, that would make sense because there's not a lot more the man can do in his career, you would have thought. Um, but enough about real NFL stuff. The champ is sitting there in the chat as we speak. He's turned the camera off just to create a bit of mystery. So hopefully he hears this throw that I'm about to throw to him. Otherwise, it will get awkward as fuck in a moment. Let's kick it off with a song to describe this team. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop chipping, I'm chipping off the power. Till then, fuck that, the world's ours. I don't have enough of a song to drag this out, Thayers. Turn your fucking camera and mic on and join us. The owner and GM and... Any other position he might work down in the cafeteria of the Prestige Worldwide is joining us on the 13th episode of the podcast for 2022 in the (laughs) Empire Dynasty League podcast edition of a show that has been running now and had over 2,000 listens. Black leather gloves. (laughs) Take a breath, Betty. Financial portfolio. Hey, in fairness, we've got a lot of uh, sound bites of the champ, so maybe we can just sort of interview him and, and replay those back to that's, try and get some sort of conversation flowing. That's a good one. Um, I might message him as we do that, but do you want to ask him a question uh, in the meantime? Can do uh, flowers blossom in spring days? Blazing forever. <laughs> <laughs> the upside uh, down blurry ring has joined us. <laughs> Welcome in, champ. We've been throwing to you for the last thirty seconds, forty-five seconds. Are you there? Can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh fuck! 
Thank God. Yes, we can hear you. Welcome to the pod. How much of it have you heard so far? The last five minutes. It's been great. Keep it up. Were you just making me uh, string that along as much as I could then? You've done well. Thanks, Benny. Thank you. Sweaty mess. Oh, my hot, sweaty, sick mess. I'd say I haven't been this rattled, Thayer, since I fucking played against you in the final. You've got me <laughs> absolutely dishevelled at the moment. I'm, I can't even think straight. But uh, welcome to the pod and thanks for jumping on tonight. No, no worries at all. Thanks for uh, keeping me up. Thanks for taking the time out of your movie, Thayer. Yeah, no worries at all. What 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 did you have on? Uh, it wasn't, wasn't much. I said... I've been a bit crook the last few days, and I just said, love, I need a laugh. So we just put some movie on Netflix with Jason Bateman. So uh, it's about halfway through, and then last got the call time, up. Last time I checked, Fifty Shades of Grey wasn't in the comedy section. <laughs> Nor did it have Ooh. Jason Bateman. No. <laughs> or, as I call him, Jason Bayman. Very good. Jason Bayman. Mate, that'd nah, be seriously, some, what uh, was the movie viewing. called? What was the movie called? You must know. You watched half an yeah. hour. Is uh, I think it's called the Switch with Jennifer Aniston. He switches his sperm to just a bit of light-hearted Wednesday night. It's a classic. We're close. Hmm. Oh, as soon as I heard sperm, I was in. It's a classic boy meets girl switches sperm kind of love story. The old Very much was. Mm. All right, Thais, I know you're, uh, you've been a bit crook and, and it's now creeping into the late hours of the night, but we need you up and about for this. We need it to oh, be... I have to get a frothy because I was actually grumpy that I had to come in, but I'm, I'm, I've snapped out of it. I'm good to go. But you were grumpy. You had to come onto a podcast that you rescheduled for tonight. <laughs> yeah, but it got, we got past the point in time where I thought, oh, well, this isn't happening tonight. So I just <laughs> sat down and put a movie on and then the Dale said, Hod's Asking you to jump on the pod. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Looked at my phone and here we are. Can we, now, we, we typically start with a question for all pod uh, guests. And this one might ring true with you, Thais, but do you get morning glory? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a morning glory in 10 years. <laughs> this is one of the most... Give, should I get, the should I get that checked out? Give the listeners, this is the context, is this question came from this great man. So, enlighten us, Thais. What is going on there? And for all the listeners out there that uh, aren't following, and I'm talking about Jan from Bacchus Marsh, just talk us through what Morning Glory is, Thais, for the listeners. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. I understand it's very common. But I don't have them, so I don't know what you want me to do about it. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, dear. Oh. I thought you were going to ask. Well, I'm Hod. glad I that gonna... I, I didn't take you up on. Sit in the bed, Ben. Oh, gee whiz. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask um, when it got past the, the designated time of potential podcasts, whether you'd reach out to the podcast host or you just assumed it wasn't happening. I just just assumed it wasn't happening and didn't didn't feel like reaching out at that point in time. I, like, I I was thinking about it actually on the couch. I thought, well, would Leonardo DiCaprio reach out to you know a talk show and say, "Hey, are you still having me on?" Or do you reckon <laughs> they'd be saying, "All right, this is your time slot. Are you ready to go?" Well, and we that's did that. What I put it down to. We said this is your time slot on Tuesday, and you cancelled it. You didn't, a you didn't give me a time slot. I asked to move it to tomorrow. No worries. Just like Brody asked to move it 
on Monday. No worries. Got to, what, 8.40, you send a link through. Some of us aren't night vultures. I know Hod does his best work after midnight, but we don't all. I thought there was more to that. And as yeah. a school teacher, Ben, I thought you'd be in bed. Well, I would have been if I wasn't so you'd sitting join on him. here for another hour. <laughs> Waiting. Be reading bloody baby books or at a birthing class or something. I'm watching Baby Claz win AFL Best Player of the Year. What are you talking Baby about? Claz. No chance you're going to have twins and have them called Claz and Took. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Niche gag, but I liked it. Hey, if you have a chocolate baby come out, I'll be asking questions. Yeah. And I'll I wouldn't. Took Took. <laughs> All right, Thais. We've added every, yeah. every guest on the podcast so far. You get... The uh, free-for-all to just review any guests we've had on to this point in the off-season. So, do you have... I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you haven't got anything prepared, like a stand-up comedy routine that Papa had, but uh, I reckon you can freely talk off the top of your head and just take a few uh, pot shots on the way through. Yeah, don't have anything prepared. Uh, as you know, I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Um, so I don't have too many rivals or conflicts. But you know what? On Saturday night, someone was grinding my gears. And we were at Essendon Richmond. My football team's getting pumped uh, in the shitter, about to lose the coach. He's about to lose a bet. And we were talking about fantasy football. And I thought I had a good relationship with this person. But the last few weeks, they've been slagging me in group chats both leagues, and I've had it up to here. Scoot, you're blacklisted. No trades. What's Ooh, happened? Talk us, go. reveal. Yeah, no. What's going that's on? Very, that's very vague. Can we get a touch more specific? I'm done with this clown. We have good conversations off to the side, and then he puts in groups that I'm lowballing him and this and that, and you know what? <clears throat> blacklisted. I'll see you once a year to draft at your house and to drink up all your piss. Outside of that, blacklisted. <laughs> now, Thais, you said you're a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. Well, we know that loving's not happening in the morning. So can you fight for your more <laughs> love? Can you fight for the, the, the lovely at home? She might just want a morning love. Can she you might want a morning love. There's only one person in this league I love, and that is the DFF. I love that man and everything that he represents. He's the barometer of this league, and you can all get stuck into him. But I think he's a force, and I think he is this league. That's a worry if he's the barometer. Well, everyone must be depressed. Is he the barometer of the league or the barometer of your team? Because you come on here and you say your reasons behind why Scoot's blacklisted, but I reckon it's because you're following a bit of advice from the old man. The DFF's number one rule. Number one rule to secret of success. Yep. Trade as little as possible. Is there any truth to that? Well, put it this way. I've got a ring and I haven't done any trades in about six weeks, I reckon. So there's some there's some credit to it. Which came first? The ring or the trades. Yeah. The six weeks. Six weeks. You already had this tra- ring, didn't you? Yep. Yeah, and hasn't done a trade since ah, gotcha. and still has the ring. That's it. So <laughs> That's it. it checks out. I've done sure the maths. All I know is that you blokes have won as many rings as the DFF. So. 
And I want to get to the bottom. And as many jokes off him. I want to get to the bottom of this. This scoot, <laughs> never stop. This scoot hate. What's um? Has, has there been low ball trades, or is that just Scoot's imagination? Oh, listen. I'm not giving up a top five pick for fucking David Montgomery or Terry McLaurin. So you know, agree to disagree. But no there's way. more. It's not just Scoot. This isn't the Scoot podcast. I know he doesn't listen, so I'm wasting my time talking about him. He does. He loves it, mate. He does. He reckons. He openly said he doesn't like listening to news and whatever else and you talking about his shit team. So who else? I'm just trying to think back. Jake Panthers. That bloke, yep. does he love the sound of his own voice or what? <laughs> Seriously, that bloke could talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles. He would drink his own bathwater. <laughs> and you, he, he could sell ice to Eskimos, that bloke. He was talking about Saquon Barkley and his third-round picks, and you guys were just eating out of his hand. Oh, this made me sick. Tell, tell you what water he does drink, the fantasy god's holy water. <laughs> <laughs> he still believes in that shit, does he? Yeah, always and forever, Thais. Always <laughs> and forever. I think outside of that, I've, I've enjoyed everyone else, or not really cared much for anyone else. Can I... um? Can I throw some improv in here, Benny? We're, we were just talking off air. We're probably not going to get to a review of our teams, are we? Well, we're running no. out of time, and, uh, and I don't think it would make for good listening for us to just talk about ourselves. So unless okay. there's going to be people out there that want to take the reins and go for it, uh, it'd have to be next week. I've already said we'll do it, so we're just waiting for the call-up. Well, let's lock it in now so you can... Bank it into a recording, shall we make it Monday? Monday yeah. night in person. Done. Just give us a time. 6.30pm. We'll Ooh. Lock it into the calendar. Mm, sneaky evening glory. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can prove to us if uh, evening glory exists. Oh, careful. I might have a bluey. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of celebrations, let's recap your last two seasons, shall we? So, 2020, 2021, here's the tale of the tape that we got here. Record in 2020, a 10-3 record, third best in the league. You had an expected wins record of 64% versus your 77% actual win record. Second hardest strength of schedule, third in the points for, fifth in the points against, and second in the possible points for. That's a pretty decent first season in the league, and I'll jump ahead here, even though it's at the bottom of our list and it's the thing we love to finish on. With the youngest list in the league, Thais, you produce those stats. So how did you feel going into season two? You obviously know your team better than anyone else. You know you've got a very young list. You know you're producing like that. How was the confidence? Yeah, before I dive in, I've stuck calling you the Chew Man, mate. Ash Chew are real enough all those stats. Very impressive. Thank you. Welcome. Well, this is the uh, what, ninth or tenth week in a row. I think I'm going to reel off that stuff. So it's like riding a bike. Uh, now, confidence year one into year two. So what I do, I make the playoffs, got ousted by the fantasy gods. Um, yeah, kind of went into that off season. And as you well know, probably thought, I might get ahead of the curve and try and get my hands on some picks in the 2023 draft. 
probably thought I could get rid of any running backs that are in the 24-25 age bracket. I think it's kind of softening now, but at the time there was a lot of thoughts that, you know, once you got to 24-25, probably sell and get back what you can. What's what's softening? Sorry, just run me through that. Was it your... We're not still talking <laughs> well, about the glory, are we? Ask me overnight, mate, and I'll tell you. But for now, it's stiffening. <laughs> Ramondre. <laughs> And then uh, I think the biggest thing was um, during the draft, obviously got very into the whole process being our first time um, doing Dynasty and just getting you know, in the offset. And we had months and months to kind of overanalyze articles and podcasts and all sorts of things. And I probably thought to myself, here's a chance to kind of have a stab at going after someone. Um, I think I had pick eight. Um, and end up moving up to pick five and taking chase. Probably thought that it was a good chance to, you know, have a shake and, and see if I could get either chase or pits or, or even one of the quarterbacks is probably who I was angling for. And, yeah, as we know, kind of that draft unfolded and, yeah, made the choice to chase. Kenny took pits right after and, you know, you could probably flip him today. But, like, yeah, chase wanted me a ring, so I can't regret it too much. But from there... Yeah, kind of as Tim entered on the pod last week or the other week, probably won the, the ring without really pushing chips in. So um, kind of taking a chance to retool and, and get some more picks in that draft and we'll see what happens. Very nice. Well, I know, Keeney, you had a question about uh, – about we could jump ahead a little bit here about winning yeah. the ring and, and what that means for this year. No, it's a good segue because um, it's just probably more around – you. You do clearly, and we'll get to it. You've got six first rounders for this year, as we know. Um, so a really strong position from a draft capital point of view. So I, pro- I suppose that the hypothetical question would be: Did your mentality shift because you won it last year, or would you have still gone down this path if you'd lost in the final? Yeah, it's a fair question. I think going into the playoffs. Um, I wasn't super confident in terms of having to win three times in a row, having to get past you two in particular, who were clearly the two best teams through the season. Tim was fortunate enough to take one for the team, you know, bloody stick it in water and he ripped out a 55 or, or something. So I didn't, you know, I should have been knocked out in that first week and, you know, it'd be a completely different narrative, but <clears throat> ended up winning with a score of 108 and winning by 40. Um, and then kind of went on a bit of a two-week run and, it's it's funny because during that playoff run, I lost Darren Waller, Daryl Henderson, James Robinson, and then Antonio Gibson for the final. So it was pretty amazing that a combination of bench scrubs and quarterbacks and, and Jamar Chase really got me over, like as we've called out in that grand final. Le'Veon Bell and Kyle Juszczyk scored eight between them. <laughs> so it wasn't, well, um, it wasn't an impressive stretch, but probably more a lucky stretch than anything. So... To answer your question, um, I've always been really keen on his 2023 draft, knowing that picks always accumulate in value, kind of no matter what happens. Um, maybe not the same rate as, you know, someone flipping it on overnight. But, yeah, I think winning a ring helped a little bit, but I was still in on the class. And um, we can talk about, I'm sure you guys are going to ask me about some of the trades that I've done. And I think one to answer those should be a little clearer. Well, you you alluded to some luck uh, throughout the playoffs, but 
you failed to mention your one man, and this man got a lot of time in the COVID Congo and goes by the name of Braxton Berrios. Yes. Give us some insights, Thais. How did this come about? Uh, and I feel like you're never short of an answer with these questions. So when, mm. you, when you do give us a rundown on Braxton, can you just include what flavour boost you had on October 31st last year? <laughs> uh. um, Raxton Berrios, what a man. I think um, <laughs> he's a life member down at the Prestige Worldwide and um, he'll be there for the ring ceremony in a few weeks. But um, if I look back at it, kind of how the season was shaping is, I think we get lost a lot in... Um, season projections and, and season totals. So like Braxton Barros is you know, not a top 36 or top 48 receiver in the season. But when you get to the playoffs, it's just you've got to look around at what's happening around the league. And I thought that the Jets were down a few bodies with like Corey Davis and I think there was some other receivers missing. And I knew Tampa were going up against oh, – sorry, the Jets were going up against Tampa to be playing from behind. So I thought I'll get Braxton in and I think he'll be playing in a slot. He's – yeah, he was catching a lot of balls and getting a lot of targets in that role until I think Jamison Crowder came back and, and got hurt again. So I just chucked him in because I didn't have much left, to be honest with you. And um, Oh, and Gabe Davis was out as well, um, Jakey's boy. So, yeah, I just threw him in and it was more like a, a match script than anything. So to see him kind of running in reverses and, and things like that in that grand final right after Michael Carter got hurt, I looked up at the guards a little bit. I said, this is you. It was it was destiny, and we could call it a Boxing Day sale. I'm looking at the transaction history. Zero dollars on December 26, Raxton comes in. But more importantly, Thais, the life member, the Ring of Honor man himself, is sitting here as a free agent. What have you done? You've just thrown him out. Are you going to at least get him back for the ring ceremony? He's a little bit like... Um... Danny Amendola was to the Patriots a few years ago. Like he was, you know, just kind of a, a bit racist. A season, a, a season vet. Like he, you know, he was much of a much of during the season. But when the playoffs rolled around, Tom Brady always knew Danny was there and he'd come in and he'd perform over and above his season stats. So Braxton and I have had conversations and, you know, if he's still at New York come playoff time, I'm sure Corey Davis will be Corey Davis and Zach Wilson will be Zach Wilson and Robert Sala will be Robert Sala and, who knows? Braxton might step in and, and do it all over again. And you know what? He's a bit biased. He knows he knows the prestige worldwide is home. So um, if there's anyone out there thinking that they can get the same kind of performance, the connection's not there. The history, the legacy, um, yeah, the shirtless picture of him holding a tuna, none of it's there. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting. And I think it's a good time. We could probably uh, segue to Thais's sort of lineup at the moment and sort of his team in depth. And when we speak about Braxton Berrios, surely he's got a few of these running backs on your bench covered as we speak. Why is he? Why is he not on there? Oh, uh, I'd ask the other eleven league members that want a bit of a taste of a chip while he's not on their teams. Like it's not a me thing; it's a, a league wide thing. I think if you look at the team at the moment, like you know, this time last year, no one wanted Braxton Berrios either. But what happened was. People started getting hurt and, you know, he kind of played himself into a role. I was looking to keep him, to be honest, in the off-season, hoping that, you know, I'd sign somewhere else because I heard he was in demand in that kind of slot role. Um, 
or that the Jets would kind of keep him kind of up the ranks. But, you know, they went out and got Garrett Wilson and, you know, he looks to be, you know, at least fourth. But um, they did re-sign him, so I expect they'll use him. But um, he's probably uh, a waiver wire plug and play at this stage. But he also does do his best work in December and January, so um, I'm well aware. All right, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled come December time. But uh, you spoke before about not doing a lot of change to your team since winning a <coughs> ring, but I dare say a fairly big trade went down uh, post-championship uh, that saw a lot of those darlings in your fantasy lineup in the first two seasons get shipped the fuck off. So talk us through a bit of the thinking here. And the trade was Camo getting Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Gabe Davis, and a 2024 second. You receiving on the other end, Joe Burrow, Jarrett Patterson, a 23 first, which was mine, a 23 first, which was Keeney's, and a 23 third. So talk us through the conversations, the thinking around it, how it all went down. Yes, it started with me reaching out to Camo in the off-season. He was, so in the last couple of years in Dynasty, um, you know, everyone's got different understandings or thoughts on There's only been the 2020, 2023 draft. Thank you, Ben. And is someone that I observed kind of in on the 2023 class with me kind of early on. So he went out and got a bunch of picks in the 2023 draft and we're always kind of messaging each other and talking about the super draft and, and this and that and the other. So he was kind of the only person that was getting in my way of kind of getting a stranglehold on that draft. Um, so then what happened is, you know, I kind of won the ring, um, I had Jamar Chase and I thought, you know, at the end of the day, Dynasty's fun, you know, fantasy's fun and I'd love to have that stack with, um, Burrow and, and Chase, but, um, and he had a couple of picks. So that's where it started. And I think the biggest, and Kamo was honest to his credit on the podcast about the conversations with us, um, the differing we had was the value between Burrow and Dak. I kind of had them level um, in terms of what they produced over the next three, four, five years and, and come out saw it differently, which is fair enough. But my thing was I actually wanted to move off of CeeDee Lamb while I thought he probably had some artificial value in kind of dynasty rankings. I was probably a bit concerned that if I didn't move off him now, um, that if the season started and he didn't maybe increase his production based on what he'd done in the first two years, that he'd lose a lot of that value. Um, so I kind of thought, oh, I'll just, what we end up doing is we landed on something that worked. Like it was uncomfortable to pull the trigger, but I think good trades and fair trades are like you've got to give to get. Shout out if you're listening to Moss. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and Scoot, you bastard. Um, so that's kind of how it came about, really. Like, Camo was looking to get the value between Burrow and Dak, and he moved on from Dak pretty quickly, so he's a man of his word. But I thought to myself, well, I want to profit off of CD Lamb um, before he potentially, like if Dallas gets someone in in the draft and he doesn't, then all of a sudden he might drop down to like a low wide receiver one and I lose out on you know, a fair bit of value. And I thought he'd be appealed with the Dak CD stack. So I just kind of thought, let's do that and go from there. That's um, 
I mean, this is why we get them on, boys. Is that's the first time I've heard of that CD Lamb um, mm. insights. That's that's really interesting. Ben. I can understand why you think that. With obviously the the big horse galloping behind, and then big jail <laughs> just to steal his thunder. But that Ooh. that is very interesting. What are your thoughts on CD Lamb, fellas? Because well, he, he is the darling of the off season, the the wide receiver to jump up the most. <clears throat> Now, he is. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how much he goes for on Saturday night, actually. But uh, actually, listening to Thais, you talk through that um, CD Lamb decision, I thought it was very, very well said and well put by yourself. But it's it flies in the face of the DFF model, which is to make sure they grow internally within, make sure they get a lot of reps within, and we don't worry about where their value, if that fluctuates, we just want to hold that value all the way through and not really worry too much and make sure there's good camaraderie within the team. So <laughs> I like that you're thinking it a little bit differently there. I reckon where it also differs from the DFF model is that you you didn't see nothing but upside in your own players. You actually saw that there potentially could be a peak or maybe even a bit of a downward shift as well, which I don't think that... That mentality sits in the DFF factory head. And speaking of, what, like a, another great example of this is Antonio Gibson, who has absolutely fallen off a cliff since you've traded him. So another really good example of knowing where your players are at, seeing the upside, but also seeing what might happen from a negative point of view. And and I know talking to you um, offline, Thais, about that one, that was more just, I think you sold him for fair value at the time and you were happy just to get out of that sort of position because you are very worried about what was happening in Washington at the time. Yeah, that's right. So I think um, first off, I'd say the DFF and I like magnets. So magnets attract or opposites attract, however you want to put it. But <laughs> we love each other and um, doesn't necessarily mean we're exactly the same. You get two magnets, the north and south, they connect. The north and north don't and the south what? and south don't. What? One won a ring, one came last. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, Very so true. Straight. This so, model you know, checks we're out. About sixth overall in the combined power ranking. Just Three touching, touching the tips. <laughs> um, so what I'll say on that is, I think with CD Lamb, um, like I'm on Twitter all the time, and you know, there's lots of back and forth. And he was one of the polarizing players. And I think for me, it was well, if I move off of CD Lamb now, even if he goes gangbusters this year, I don't think his value goes up that much, given how high. It already was. So I just thought, you know what, I'll just get out now. Um, in saying that, I also hedged my bets thinking that they might draft like a Traylon Burks or, you know, someone in or move up into the teens. And turns out they didn't. So I actually think with Sardin Lines, I think he's going to explode this year. Um, I think he's going to maintain or even go up a little bit in value. So Comer has done well there. But if they had got someone in, maybe not. So the jury is probably still out. I think I got out. I was happy to get out, but also I go, oh, shit. Like, you know, if I had the benefit of hindsight, I probably would have hung on to him. If I knew they wouldn't get anyone in. Yep. That's uh, mm. that's that's always the tricky part, and um, there's mm. probably the other the other player in this deal. I know you you were quite fond of, and it was a great pick in the startup, Gabe Davis. Now, talk us through. He's probably had a pretty good off season as well, but talk us through sort of where you're at when this player was included in the deal. Yeah, so the reason come on I couldn't get there was because I was asking for the two firsts and he was like I can only give you one and I can't and the reason it took so long is I was like I just he'll tell you I, was like, I just don't see the difference between Burrow and Dak that you do the whole time I was just happy to kind of get thereabouts so I could cash in on CD and 
I was like, shit, how am I going to make it work? So I didn't have a stack of picks at the time. Like I've made some moves since then, but I was like, oh, I'll just get rid of Gabe Davis. Fuck. Um, he's a guy that, you know, had that one crazy game in Kansas City. So he's obviously got potential, but um, I thought, again, if Buffalo gets someone in the draft in the first two or three rounds or free agent or something, then, um, again, like I had a window and I missed it. And, I, yeah, so I threw him in and I was like, yeah, awesome. Little did I know is he, he flipped him pretty much instantly. So maybe thought the same thing. And, um, yeah, again, he won out of the draft and he looks like he's going to have a big year. Ben, have you got your hand up? I do, but so does Hod, so I'm trying to get in first. <laughs> hey, I just want to quickly say you spoke about um, not wanting to miss a window there. Do you think that a little bit of missing windows in the past was at the back of your mind? And the main one I think of is having Jared Goff and Gardner Minshew in the startup draft. You didn't need them. There were people out there looking for QBs. You sort of held on thinking these guys can appreciate and value a bit more. People get desperate. They now sit, you know, almost without really any value. There was a window where you could have cashed in. Was that at the back mm. of your mind? Um, it was more in terms of what Gabe Davis represents as what we know. So he went in the fourth round. Um, I don't think there's a great track record of guys that go on day three in terms of what they turn out in fantasy. And I thought, you know, if I can sell them off the back of this game and, yeah, all the buzz coming out of camp and, and stuff like that, I will. Um, but, yeah, to your point, Ben, I think looking back in the first couple of years, they're definitely trades that I should have done. Like I moved off the gym for a second um, in a couple of years, which I hope is quite early. And, then, yeah, with Minshew, <laughs> Yeah, hope that I'm still optimistic he'll find a role somewhere. Like he's he's always going to be a top end backup and hopefully a low end starter somewhere. Hey, Scoot. Wait and see. Scoot loves a backup QB, but he's blacklisted. <laughs> he does. Now, Thais, I'm I'm hearing that the elephant in the room here. There's there's some animosity to the Buffalo wide receiver room. That's the real reason you got rid of Gabe Davis. I think you just can't have him anymore after exhausting your options to get him in. Is that right? <laughs> um, that's not right. Like, I, oh, you know what? It probably is right because when I was drunk on the truth juice, I did tell Kenny I'll trade your ring for Diggsy. So <laughs> I can't say I can't say I wasn't disappointed. Also, double down because um, you and I had spoken about Diggs as well, Hod, and um, healthy discussion. Neither of us were willing to agree, and based on the trade that you did, I can understand why. Okay. But no, it was just cashing out, and then yeah, probably got burned by that one too. Go, Kenny. No, I was just going to say it's a, a really interesting discussion. All of this and just the psychology around not losing value out of a player is is a real one. I think in dynasty, like, and I think why a lot of trades might get done quite early is because you don't want to lose all the value on a player. You'd rather get something back, and it's it's why the TAB have a cash out button. Because yeah. people think, are paranoid about losing all their money. Oh, I can, I can at least break even or win a little bit here rather than lose it all. That's exactly right. We know, you know, you look at ADP, which is effectively, you know, a consensus of what we all think. If, if you're going to play the ADP game, you'll win half the time, lose half the time. Like, it's not an exact science. And I think with Gibson, his value is high enough. And I thought, you know what, I'm hearing rumblings that they're bringing these running backs into camp and, when McKissick resigned there, like that took away that chance of him being a workhorse. And I just thought, oh, I'll get a first. So I had a chat to Camo and like Camo is, yeah, um, he's, I, I think you two and Camo have probably got the three 
most powerful lineups. I think Jake's got a lot of depth, and now he's added Barkley probably on the cheap as well. But um, I thought that was a piece that could give him some running back depth because he had really strong receivers. And I actually agreed with what he said on the pod, but we do this all the time in training camp. Yeah, Gibson had a couple of fumbles and that, but he's the only bloke that can break off an 80-yard screen for a touchdown, and you know he'll have his good weeks. So um, he's probably like a buy-low or like a redraft candidate for mine, but we shall see. Yeah, well, Keeney mentioned that uh, we'll see what price these guys go for on Saturday. And if anyone listening, which would be like three guys, I reckon, uh, listening who aren't aware, (laughs) this Saturday we've got our redraft auction league, which uh, is always a fascinating (coughs) affair. Just how many dollars a player will go for, how many dollars will be left on the table, Keeney, in someone's uh, potential kitty. So it's always an interesting watch. But we, uh, we might have a few more comparative pieces after that draft, Keeney. Oh, we will. And speaking of uh, auction drafts and players going for big dollars, let's rip into your QB room. Joshy, Twinkle, Toes, Tassels, Josh Allens. Now, I had some bad words to say about Josh, and I, I take it back. He's a star. He's going to be number one. He's going to be the most expensive uh, auction piece on Saturday night, I would think. Um, so just running through your QB room before I get to you, Hod, uh, Josh Allen obviously traded in Joe Burrow, but then after that, Jacoby Brissett, Mason Rudolph, a little addition off the uh, waiver wire, and uh, Gardner Minshew, which we spoke of. So I think clearly the the top two there, Allen and Burrow, are as good as, as good as two as probably what Ben's got. I reckon that's about the only competition um, and clearly sort of the, the strongest part of your team. Yeah, I was just thinking with Joshy Tassels, um, other than the Herb, which I think... Obviously, there was a little bit of luck involved. I dare I say Josh Allen would have been the best pick of the startup dynasty draft in the fourth round. Do, do you guys agree with that? Yeah, you'd probably have to say so. Like he'd be the one hundred and one now, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, you'd have. To, yeah, you'd say so. Like, yeah, as I said, Herbert was much later. Um, obviously, a lot of chips fell his way, but um, just a really strong pick at a time where Josh Allen was sort of. Not too thought, thought not thought of too highly. Um, he sort of had a bit of inaccuracy and whatnot, but Thais obviously pulled the trigger, and what a move it's turned out to be. That they're the sort of picks that set you up for years, and obviously got a ring. So very, very well played, Thais. Would have to agree, Hod. One player I was very gutted when Thais drafted because he was well in my sights, and it was interesting just watching how many teams weren't really that keen on QBs. Uh, and how many teams were assuming that no one else is going to get QBs because they already got one or two? So I was pretty pissed off when you picked him up, to be honest. You know, I think that's um, – I thought I was, in terms of when whereabouts he went, that would be the earliest. But if you've had a chat to Tim in the last couple of years, he reckons he was going to pull the trigger in the early second round when he took um, Kyler Murray. He was tossing up between Murray and Josh Allen. So – Explains why teams had Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and stuff in fantasy the last couple of years. But yeah, it's been a a very good pickup. But he lost his crystal ball. Mm. Sliding doors moment there. I think the third best startup would be Darnell Mooney, wouldn't it? (laughs) Mr. Irrelevant, who's actually relevant now. The DFF, mate. I'm not joking. That's that's an unbelievable pick. I could name 100 players in that draft, but yeah, should have gone. Well, After him, so. we'll move 
We'll move to your running back room because there was a there's another player here sitting on there that was another unbelievable startup pick. James Robinson just sits there nice and pretty. <laughs> he went in the twenty something round off the top I oh, just off the top of my head. Travis Etienne also sitting there. Darrell Henderson. You got then a few bit time players. Benny Snell, Eno Benjamin, Chris Evans. Is that Captain America, Chris Evans? Um, and then a few that. rookie draft picks, including old Snoop Connor. What a fucking name that is. You have another Jags running back, bro. Oh, bros. goodness. Tyler, <laughs> Tyler Algier, though, looking pretty good. There's not a lot of competition going on in Atlanta, so that's a nice little bet for you there. So, uh, yeah, you mentioned it off the top of the show who you've blacklisted. It's got to be asked, with that thin running back room, have you actively been trying to add running backs this offseason? Uh, yeah, I've been quiet. I think um, not at the expense of, you know, giving away multiple bursts and things like that. But I have inquired at a few teams. And, you know, I think all trade conversations are, well, if you and I don't agree on the value, that's no problem at all. I kind of don't burn any bridges and, you know, things change. Um, but just to see, you know, my, my name in both group chats and you know, getting slagged left, right and centre. I'm done with it. So you can rot with those old shit running backs. And that's my thoughts on uh, those ones. But in terms of, yeah, the door's always open. And I think the sense I've got in listening to all these podcasts has been, I think there's a sense on anyone, everyone wanting to get their team right for week one. And I think we're in Dynasty and there's just not a rush. So like, Ben, I think a few years ago you made a good comment on the podcast around Dynasty. It's almost like a like a stock exchange, right? Where it's like you, you're really just looking to buy low and sell high and, you know, kind of um, diversify. And it's not so much about that redraft mindset of, oh, I'm a running back short. I should go out and get a running back. So things change and at that position of all positions. So I'm not in a rush. Um, who knows? I might, I might start out really well and, or I might start out really poorly and, you know, either scenario I'll make a decision, but that's um, kind of where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, and I was going to sort of follow on from that. Um, I, I tend to agree. It's there's there's a probably there's a threshold there in terms of um, the value that you, you have to give up to, to get a player that you want um, and you clearly can't go too far over that. But at the same time, how do you think your team will sort of carry you through if you don't address that? position and are you confident that you can at least sort of go 50 50 or maybe a bit above to then look to add one during this during the season at the right price yeah no i'm very open to adding one or multiple or or different positions even because i've got the assets to do it but i think what i don't want to get is stuck in the you know pre-week one trap and all the training camp hype and when everyone's healthy that it's amazing what will happen when the season starts and teams quickly realise their fate or they've had some injuries. And once we've seen in the past, once picks start flying around, um, all of a sudden there's less of them and then they're, they're worth more. So, you know, the teams like Papper in the off-season that were willing to go, you know what, I will part with this player and that player. Well, they get first dibs. Um, so I know that the demand for that isn't going to dampen. Um, but I will wait and see. Like, I'm, I'm keen enough to win this year. I'm not sitting the season out per se, but um, I'm also not going to make a series of moves for week one just so I can please everyone else in the league, if that makes sense. Well, there is there is one running back I'm interested in in this group, Thais, 
Now, Tyler has all the gear. I'm pretty sure he's hosting a draft party in St. Kilda. Um, yeah, I hope so. This weekend. But, um, and speaking of that, man, I'm pretty sure he loves this saying, but there is a world where uh, Tyler Allgear, or, or or however you say it, Gee whiz. the starting running back in Atlanta for the year. So there might be a diamond in the rough there in, in what we see as the weakest unit of your team. Um, talk to us about him and, and where you see his uh, trajectory this year. Yeah, I think on draft night, um, you know, it was a very interesting night that I'm looking to put behind me forever. But um, <laughs> I think when we got into it, like, I had no idea in the world that we'd be flying through to third and fourth rounds at Scoots. I thought it was going to be similar to last year and we'd do it over the app over the weekends. Um, so it's a bit, oh, shit, this is happening quickly. And then I noticed at the start of third round some players that probably weren't on my radar. And I think that's what happens in most drafts, that like you have a consensus round one in a certain order, same as round two, and then the, the pool starts to kind of, you can go anywhere in round three. And I saw Tyler Algier and Brian Robinson were going to be available, so I moved up with Steph. Um, and I took Algier just based on, you know, I'm just looking for a, a quick win. Um so, you know, from a prospect perspective, I thought Brian Robinson probably offered more. But in that backfield, I just thought, you know what? There's a world where Algier wins the starting job and he's worth something. And you can either plug him in at RB2 or 3 or you know, sell him if he looks like he's going to hold the job or whatever. And um, so that's the choice I made. And, yeah, I think that there's not much there in Atlanta. And there's not a lot of incentive to play you know, Daryl Williams, I think it is, at running back in this season. I think they're going to play Cordero Patterson out wide a bit more. Um, you know, it's just a dart throw, really. Not a bad dart throw when a bloke who was a throwaway wide receiver becomes a gun running back in that offense. So <laughs> not a bad one. Hey, I'm reading between the lines a little bit here, Thais. Um, are you sort of sitting back and saying that Rather than rushing, drafting out these potential first-round picks, you're quite happy to sit back and see the trajectory of where they might end up and have a bit more of an educated value in where they might sit come end of season. And then you'd be more looking to uh, pass them on, knowing that it's more likely to be a back-end or an earlier pick. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, I've spent too much time um, trying to work out where all the picks are going to land and what the flying effects and that are. And I think... Um, I'm trying not to get sucked into it too much and more just um, when the season starts just, or, you know, like I've spoken to multiple teams in the league about deals and um, it's, uh, okay, maybe not now, but maybe later. Maybe not. And it might be maybe at the end of the season. It might be during the season. So I'm just, the thing I keep reminding myself is just don't rush into something because you just want to, because you, you want to trade. Like, I don't know how Camo does it. I've no idea how this guy pulls the trigger on trades every other day. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. And like I said, it'll be if the team stays healthy and you know, hit a cut on a couple of those running backs and you know, my key players have really good starts, then you know, I might be more incentivized to burn some picks. But vice versa, if not, who knows? Um, I'm just waiting. Like I will make a deal when I think um, you know the reward, reward, potential reward outweighs the potential risk but at this stage I'm just kind of happy to sit back because I know those picks aren't going down in value and I don't have a lot of sunk cost or guys that are in their kind of last year or couple of years on my roster if you have a look at it so it's 
I'm not worried about going into next season and be like, oh, that guy's lost a heap of value now. So, um, and that's been deliberate. Yep. Hey, I'm going to throw a, uh, a question at you without notice, which has kind of been every question to this point of the podcast. But, hey, is there any truth that there's a bit of a running back curse going on at the Prestige Worldwide? Just let me uh, run you through a scenario, just the stats here that say, James Robinson gets traded into your team, does an Achilles, didn't do one before. He was on the Prestige Worldwide. Is there a coincidence? I don't know. Travis Etienne gets drafted to the Prestige Worldwide. Does a link fra- Liz Frank injury? Doesn't play a snap for his rookie season. Is there a coincidence? I don't know. Antonio Gibson has been on your list, done all right, and then gets traded away, seemingly has avoided the curse, but then all of a sudden just starts to plummet down draft boards in ADP and now is taking snaps on a practice squad. Miles Sanders got drafted in the second round in the startup draft. He is plummeting down ADP values, looking less valuable than when you got him. Gus Edwards does an ACL. Justice Hill does an ACL. <laughs> Tariq <laughs> Cohen gets drafted or traded away and then hasn't played a snap for the team that picked him up afterwards. Is there a bit of a curse going on with running backs and should people be wary when dealing with running backs that have at some point spent time on the Prestige Worldwide roster? Or am I just making up a nice narrative? Yeah, and there's an ace in the hole for this one, and his name is Austin Eckler. That guy got injured with me for seven weeks, and then as soon as Keeney got his hands on him, bang, rolled in about 20 touchdowns last year, and now he's their first top 24 pick, I think, in ADP. So he's the one. So Keeney hopefully doesn't go back into uh, the rest of the prestige worldwide running back curse for you this year, my friend. Well, you've, you've won me over, Ben, whether it's a narrative or not, because I've just withdrawn my Snoop Connor trade-off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Hey, Hod, why don't you uh, run through? We've got to keep moving here. One, Run through the wide receiver room here, which is a pretty handy one. You want me to do back-to-back because you know, boys, the yeah. Yeah, the this is my favourite segment. This is like the closing cook on Footy Classified. Don't ever associate me with Caro, please. Now, Lordo, he heard me. The uh, the wide receiver room is delicious. Let's start with Jamar Chase uh, and T Higgins. This is this is the Dublay Triplay stack. Uh, Cortland Sutton, another darling of the off season with Danger Russ heading over. Sammy Watkins, bit of a uh, home investment here. I'd be interested to hear. Uh, your thoughts on him, especially after his comments today about Rogers and Mahomes. Curtis Samuel, Paris Campbell, Justin Ross, Jacob Harris, Romeo Dubes, Valus Jones. Now, I'm actually interested in a couple of those ones there. Um, before we get on to the main question, which obviously will involve the Bengali, Sammy Watkins, Thais, can, can he revive in uh, Packer land? And then also... Continue that with an update on Romeo Dubes, who's doobing his way through the offseason and might find some scoring. Dude, dude. Um, first off, what did Sammy Watkins say about Rogers and Mahomes today, mate? I've been. Oh, working. you've been the grid. That's right. Movie. Working and watching movies. <laughs> Tell me more. Doobin and movies. Now, he's into the bloobs. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy Watkins. It wasn't that wasn't that um bad, but it's always interesting hearing the wide receivers when they go to their new team pumping their quarterback up. But it was more just to do with his intensity, I think. 
Um, and he was very quick to say that he's had no other quarterback like Rodgers before. Obviously, the tabloids will take that and run with it whatever the way they like, but I think he was getting at the intensity. What are you laughing at, Katie? I don't know what he's laughing at, but the good thing about that quote, Thais, is that Sammy Watkins has always been a reputable reputable source of information, quoting himself to be a lizard, human-like alien breed or some shit on Twitter. So it's coming from a pretty good place here, and Sammy Watkins will talk about it. What are you eating, Thais? Peanut M&M's. There was one of them that had a hair on there and you gave it some look that I hadn't seen before, wiped it off and threw it back in the gob. <laughs> That's why I was laughing. Yeah, yeah I'm going to have to have a word with the doll, I think. Oh. Well, oh. Let's, Are you let's... saying it's one of hers or the dogs? I don't want to eat her head hairs. Could be one of the doobs. Let's talk about the uh, the elephant in the room oh, for this wide receiver. Questions. Sorry. Oh, go. Being a yeah. Polite talk guest. about old crazy Watkins yeah. comments Sammy on Sammy Watkins. You oh, I, I, I haven't even asked. You finished. <laughs> I think the investments in Sammy Watkins and Romeo Doob Doob have been less about <laughs> their talent. Well, Doob Doob was, given where I got him. But I'm just, I'm sorry, as a Green Bay supporter, I don't buy the narrative that Alan Lazard's going to be the wide receiver one. So I'm just stacking my cards and trying to hope that someone else is. Did you get the dupe? I you, thought Tim Hoff's got the dupe. Are you doobling down? I'm doobled doobling down. Why would, down why would you, mate, you, you read his name out in the wide receiver preview. Well, all of a sudden you thought he transported to Tim's team. <laughs> Yeah, that's, look, that's a very good point. But I really did think that Timos got the doob. Timos wants the doob. He offered me the doob for uh, Will Fuller in a future fall. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we call Timos Classic. You throw this, Jordan Love it. This has this, <laughs> this is bringing back flashbacks. We've said doob a hundred times. It's like whatevs and whatevs. Whatevs. When I'm drunk, it's what else. When I'm sober, it's noobs. <laughs> oh, all right. So good. Anyway, so I'll, uh, I'll keep on keeping on. The um, What if the elephant in the room for you, Thais, is obviously, you know, we're talking about the running backs. Um, might be holding you back. But one other uh, thing that could very much hold you back is your investment in the Bengali. So what if the Bengals regress? Where does that leave you with, obviously, the triple-A stack? Uh, it's probably something I haven't entertained, if I'm being honest with you, mate. I think if, like, to what extent would they have to regress? Would it be injury? I think. I mean, I don't see any one of those players. Um, part of the reason I invested in Burrow is, yeah, he doesn't run around and he hasn't got the big style or whatever, but I feel like he's the closest thing we've got to new age you know, Brady or Manning in the sense of, um, you know, how he performs in big moments and, like, he's got a bit of, you know, steel about him. And I just think, like, you look at Tom Brady last year, he's, what, 43, 44, and he was, what, quarterback two, quarterback three? Look, I'm not suggesting that's going to happen with Burrow, but I think he'll be around, and, and Justin Herbert too. Hopefully Josh Allen, like, you know, playing into their late 30s, still putting up quarterback one numbers. And I get the vibe that, Chase and Higgins are going to be in Cincinnati for a long time. Um, and I don't think anyone can argue that Chase is, you know, pretty special based on what we saw last year. 
Is there also any truth to uh, you getting so many stacks in your team to keep Keeney away? Because we all know that the bloke can't stomach a stack at the moment. Is that <laughs> is that another reason why? Well, I thought to myself, yeah, that's it. You can't have all the stacks to yourself, mate. I'm going to put all the vanilla ice cream, maple syrup, you name it, on my bad boys. Keeney, Keeney tried a triple stack like <laughs> you've got, and he just about fucking shit his pants and threw up at the same time. Right, the same bloke that we go to the corner bar with every Monday that takes an hour to eat his palmer and doesn't finish it, somehow ate more pancakes in eight hours than Keeney. There should be a 30 for 30 on that bad boy. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, no comment. <laughs> yeah, you, you do, Kenny. This there's a perfect segue here. You can get back at the man with the next question. Uh, Maya. No, no, back at no, you. No, but we, we, well, we've already talked about Diggsy. What was the what was the Diggsy offer that you offered Hod? Talk us through the trade that never was. Oh, I don't think we were really close. To be honest, I think um, yeah, okay. Hod rightfully wanted. I think a top four or top five pick. Back to entertaining discussions. I wasn't willing to do it. So I think he was asking for a couple. Of, uh, I can't even remember, but we just weren't close. And I'd kind of said, you know, I've got some other people sniffing around that have got quarterbacks and I need a quarterback. I said, that's absolutely fair. So I'm um, seeing out to change your mind. So I don't like, I wasn't surprised when I saw the deal go through. I probably was surprised that you moved on from Dak Keeney, but um, yeah, Diggs is obviously a gun in his own right and Brody. Yeah, got Dak out of it, which is more than he could have got out of me. So, was there a bit of uh, bitterness that you provided Dak at the very start of your trading that was one of the key pieces? I think I make a mistake with Camo when I make a trade with him that I think, oh, you know, Dak will oh, Camo will have the Dak CD stack, but he just he just doesn't care. He's like a pimp, like he just has all these people coming in and out. That's why they call him Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> Hell, they do. He's just got no emotional connection with anyone but Tyrod Taylor. I've got uh, I've got one more trade question before we move on to Hod's favourite segment. We know that's coming, so stay tuned. Um, just I want to take you back to that great night when you'd had about nine snow globes. The snow globes were shaking, <laughs> shaking around. You know nothing, John Snow. And you've traded, Pole. you've traded a fir- one of your precious first rounders for a couple <laughs> of seconds and a third. Do you want to talk us through if you remember what sort of happened at that moment in your life? It's a moment I'll never forget because the DFF is confident that's an early pick. Ben, the bed, Ben. <laughs> this is where the magnet theory comes back into play, doesn't it? <laughs> that uh, I probably thought to myself that. Um, your pick would be, you know, knowing what you would tell us, pick 11 or pick 12, likely pick 12. So I thought, you know, DFF came up to me and said, do flowers blossom in spring class? I said, always and forever, let's trade. And then um, he was pretty keen to get his hands on a first, I think, more so because it's a first and it's kind of sexy and he obviously doesn't rate you very much based on listening to his podcast. So, um I said, listen, if I can turn 11 or 12 into, I don't know, 16, 18 and a piece, I think once you get to the back end of the first, early second, I think the talent, the elite talent kind of drops out. So I just figured I have a couple of throws instead of one. I already had five other picks above it. So that was it. 
Fair enough, as he just casually munches on a peanut M&M, finishing Sounds off that question. Fair. Can you hear it through there? Oh, I can hear everything, mate. Hodge, go on, your favourite your favorite body part, position, not many segment. Here. Go. What do you mean, not many? They're all starting, Hod. They're all on his starting lineup. There's and one. We could, we could have one man in this segment and it'd still be the best in the world. The, we'll kick it off. I am interested by this group and not not just because of who's there now but who you had um but we do have the the walrus himself darren waller who is in a great position now with Devonte adams i think um to take a bit of attention off my man evan ingram still floating around uh david and joku and tyree jackson um but let's get to Let's get to the Walrus first. Well, what can he do in this offense in Raider Nation this year, Thais? Can he get back to where he was a couple of years ago? Um, top three tight end, I believe. Can he get back there firstly? Um, I think he can. I think in terms of target share, it's not going to be what it was a couple of years ago. But um, he wasn't very healthy last year. He had a lot of turmoil with the coach and, and the changeover. And, I think Josh McDaniels has come in and acknowledged that, like for whatever reason, Oakland just never really used him in the red zone. Um, he was just like a. I'll never forget the game. I think it was Oakland, oh, Vegas, his first game against the Saints a few years ago, uh, and he had like 19 catches or 19 targets, but it was for like 110 yards or something. And it was just, um, it was just, uh, oh mate, what you could do with this guy. Um, I think as we get through um, my tight ends, like you'll get a sense of kind of the tight ends that I like and how I go about the position. Um, so yeah, I think you can get back to top three. Do I think you'll be number one? I think no, unless Kelsey and or Andrews get hurt. Um, but yeah, he's going to be you know top four, top five, and then the drop off after that, I think is quite significant. So he's still very valuable and, I expect to have a better year than he did last year. The um the irony that you're talking about tight ends um and how much you like them. Yet we we watched the NFL in the very early morning, so I'm not sure how you're functioning <laughs> the, the position, Thais. Uh Kenny, did you have something? There? No, I was I was going to straighten us up a fraction. I did like that joke. That was quite good. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> But back in, I think people do forget, back in 2020, I'm just looking at it now, Darren Waller, with the tight end premium format, was actually, if you include tight ends and wide receivers, was number four on the tight end and wide receiver list combined. So a huge advantage in tight end premium. He was uh, one, of the, one of the big assets to own. Well, that's a good segue, because I want to ask you, Thais, you, you chose to keep Darren Waller, and I don't know if he was offered in trades, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you did have Mark Andrews, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so you've, you've decided to part ways with Andrews, who is arguably dynasty tight end one moving forward at the moment, um, given Kelsey's age. Uh, is is Keeney's point there? Uh, I think Keeney thinks Felipe Franks is... Yeah, I think you, 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 you might have forgotten about another tight end one, but anyway, keep going. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's my tight end one. But does um, is it the PPR, the tight end premium, that made you sort of stay with Waller over Andrews, or was that ever part of the trade? Just talk us through that choice to stay with Waller and part with Andrews. Yes, yeah, so 
I bought Mark Andrews in the fourth off his rookie year. Had really high hopes. He probably underperforms in year two. And then Darren Wallace, last four or six weeks in particular, he exploded. Um, he had like a 250-yard game against the Jets. Um, I remember because Presty had him the fuck with and he knocked me out of the playoffs in our other league. But, um, yeah, it's <laughs> funny. I actually remember trying to win in year one of Dynasty. I offered Jim a trade straight up at the end of that year a couple of weeks before Waller exploded. It was Waller for Keenan Allen straight up and Keen and Jim said not a chance. So um well I dodged a bullet on that one I think. But um yeah the idea to keep Waller was like he's just this freak athlete. He was you know late to, I thought the difference between what him and Andrews could provide was, you know, that elite tight end one potential, that top two or three overall, whereas Andrews off the back of his rookie year didn't give me that indication that he would. They brought in all these weapons. His target share was supposed to go down. And then based on what happened last year, losing all their running back, he dominated. So I think that's the silver lining in the trade that Manny and I did with Chase and Andrews. Like, I probably lost out on Andrews. But um, I'm still confident that Waller can turn it around. I think he's going to play into his mid-30s, kind of like Antonio Gates, like that same kind of athlete. Didn't have a lot of miles on him through his you know, mid-20s. Um, so, yeah, I'm still bullish he's got. Plenty of good years left in him. As you should be. And I don't know if you boys have seen the new doc um, with Darren Waller in it, just going through his battles with um, drug addiction. I think it was, I don't know if it was 104 or 204 failed drug tests since he um, started football in high school. Um, wow. Been a hell of a story, and it's no coincidence that Darren Waller and Romeo Doob Doob are on the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> and Tyler Allgear. All the gear. All yeah. the gear. Gee whiz. Uh, 203 more drug tests than the uh, Prestige World Wilds failed. That's right. Yeah. No, very, hey, before we um, before we wrap up and go to one last segment I want to just touch on at the end here, um, give us give us a, a bit of a prediction, Thais. Give us a dark horse that might surprise a few. You got you got someone from left field this year that you think might, uh, might have a sniff? In my team? Nah, just a league. Just someone in the league that you think's flying under the radar, or might be um, might be a winning cha- winning chance, but not, oh, not many people are talking yeah. about them. Other than you, good self. Come on, yeah. come on, snow globes, give us a sniff. <laughs> I think uh, I was good to talk about the rest of the tight ends in my team too, but um, <laughs> in terms of other teams or dark horses in the league. There's there's only one, and he's not a dark horse. He's the barometer of this league, and his name is the Dynasty Football Factory. Cannot be any more clear. I'm going to win more wines than you've had hot dinners betting on that bloke against Ashton and everyone else in this league. How how many wins can he get? You've obviously got to bet on the over seven and a half. Well, how many did he win last year? Five. Well, ten. You think Double go, that. You think he'll go ten and four? Yep, and then he'll win 20 next year. We've already spoken about this. That's not even 20 games. That's pretty good. He'll find a way. That's what he does. Does he, though? But, um, no, I honestly think, like, I thought last year I was very bullish on him last year. But this year I'm in my logical mind, not my emotional mind. And I think he's got a stable of running backs, a lot of them young and with a lot of upside. He's got a lot of receivers, not a lot of top-end receivers, but he's got a lot of twos and threes, so he'll always be able to throw bodies in his lineup. 
if he can just um, keep Wilson, Lance healthy, Darnold's a write-off, obviously, and he'd be looking for Jimmy Garoppolo to get dealt at some point. If he does do that, um, oh, and Kenny Pickett looks like he's going to play in Pittsburgh now at some point as well. I just think the guy with small hands. <laughs> I just think he's got too much firepower in his running backs, and Trey Lance could be anything. Um, you know, I think he's my real like going into a playoff game against him, starting a healthy Swift, Acres, Brees Hall, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, um, you know, Trey Lance, and he's even got a couple of tight ends that will put in you know low tight end one, high tight end two numbers maybe, and commit and. Gasicki might be on the move, but um, yeah, he's my dark horse. Very nice. Dark horse. He's a light horse. Love it. He's a white horse. Love the pick. Love that we didn't bother talking about the rest of your tight ends because I reckon Evan Ingram's got more than enough time collectively on this podcast than he deserves. Can I? Can he's I, a huge fan, Jake. Listening to that pod the other week, um, we've already there's a precedent in this league of um, prestige worldwide players hopping into. Um, other teams, partners, DMs. Is there a chance that Evan Ingram's been in Jake Smith's DMs? That bloke <laughs> deserves no airtime on the podcast, yet every time I listen to Buddy Marbles, listen to um, listen to Marbles. him talk about Evan Ingram and how he's a six foot six. He's not even six foot six, so get your facts straight, Jakey. I think the thing on that as well is I look back to our startup draft. I had those back-to-back picks in round seven where I took Darren Waller and Evan Ingram. Jake had three picks in a row. I said, hey, mate, can I come up and get two of those picks? He goes, yeah, but you have to let me take someone with the first pick before I do. I said, no worries. He took Henry Ruggs. The bloke's in jail. You're gagging me, Panthers. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's some shit Good scouting. Some shocking scouting by him. And maybe that's why Evan has said, that's it. I'll hop in and Mrs. Panthers is DM'd. Bit of tassels. Uh, storyline going on there. Very... Who's next? I reckon Scoot's next. I'm going to find someone on my roster that's going to hop into his DMs, but just needs a missus. <laughs> All right, Katie. Let's. Uh, this is possibly going to be the longest podcast, so let's finish off with your uh, final thoughts here. It's been very insightful, Thais. I've really enjoyed it. But um, before we leave the pod, Thais, we need. And this is a this is a league wide. Uh, discussion here. It, it was put up on the chat this week. We need to dissect Papa's shopping receipt. Uh, it was one of the more staggering things I've ever seen. We've got bulk tuna, red onion, broccoli, ginger, garlic, frozen spinach, baby spinach. We've got the double spinach, eh? paper towels, strawberries, and a spanakopita. What the fuck is going on with this bloke? Thais, run us through some of that, please. I didn't know Papa and Nat had a rabbit. It is, uh, it is fair income. It is animal food, little animal. It's a guinea pig sort of setup, isn't it? Forty three dollars. Makes great sense. That's a weekly shop. You know the guy'd be dead because people in third world countries are eating more than that. Yeah, we see him on Saturday night, and he's slamming down beers and scones and all sorts of things. That guy, that he was... may spend forty dollars on his grocery shop, but he's spending thousands of dollars on Uber Eats and all the other luxuries in life. Right. So. Big deal. I'm convinced that was $43 for his left hit, and that's it. <laughs> I just I, – I feel sorry for him. He's he's just treating the uh, – Nat's trying to tell him something. Eating of food. It's not working. It's like, you know, he's yeah. going on a diet and you go, oh, he's eating so good at home. 
But then when he's not at home, he's clearly eating all these other things. and It's just not working. So I think I might have to pull Nat aside and say, hey, look, um, he, smell the roses. He would be ravaging the office cookie jars. <laughs> <laughs> Should have seen that guy stuck sucking down a couple of scones in the box on Saturday night. Oh, he's well, malnourished, yes. mate. Yeah, he goes, ooh, carbs. <laughs> oh. Oh, goodness. Old Papa just making the consumption of food as depressing as humanly possible will, I'm sure, be a feature. Papa, this is an M&M, mate. Oh, peanut M&M. How much did that cost you? Six bucks a bag. How how much a bite? (laughs) Oh, mate. (laughs) Jesus. Oh, goodness. Ginger, apparently. Thais, you can listen back when we uh, release this podcast as to uh, how we were feeling about your lack of presence at the start of it, but uh, thank you for eventually jumping on and for uh, being a bit more up and about being past your bedtime than your brother was. He uh, steadily declined as the time ticked away on that podcast, but you almost have gone the opposite. Talk about oh, no, just touching the tips with uh, the DFF. You and uh, Tim also doing opposites. I'm going to have to hop into bed and find a way to get rid of that early morning glory. Stay in the bed, Ben. <laughs> no, it was... Uh, very good pod, uh, Thais. Thank you very much for joining. Uh, very insightful, I thought. And ladies and gents, he's the champ. And so he's the he's the champ for a reason. And he's got a target on his back this year. And he's going to be the man to beat no matter what happens because he is the reigning champ. So all the best for this year, Thais. And uh, we are not far away. Hod. Now, Thais, you mentioned you need a remedy. And I reckon I've found it. Have you had any of blue M&Ms in that bag? I've had a couple, but the green ones are the one you've got to watch out for, aren't they? No, 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 no. I have on good authority that there were a few too many blue ones in that bag, and Lou may have had something to do with it. He's <laughs> fed up with what you're dishing up in the early morning glory. And there's a song on it, Thais. It's What's the Story, Morning Glory. It's on SEN. It's been on there for years, and you need to pull your head in or get a checkup because that's <laughs> not on. Loved having you on as always. You sound horrendously healthy, and it's been good having you, mate. We'll be breathing germs all over you on Saturday, boys. Two minute drillers, the real commish, over and out. Jeez Louise. What a side off. Always and forever.